Friday, April 1st, the Super Show is at Gillies in Dallas. I have Eric yep. Bischoff with me here. Conrad Thompson, Eric, William Regal, Jeff Hardy, quite the panel for the Super Show. Uh, there, there's a ton of, go- of stuff going on this week. Um, William Regal and Jeff Hardy are, you know, two really hot names in the wrestling industry for their own respective reasons right now. What are you looking forward to most about this week and getting to share a stage with them again? Um, well, you know, the week is, you know, WrestleMania week is, uh, it's a special week for people in the wrestling business and fans and, and, and everything in between. So it's, you know, the energy is always high. There's so much going on. Somebody showed me a list of all the different events that are taking place this weekend in Dallas. And I, you know, I don't know, I didn't count, but I think there's at least 18 or 20 different events going on kind of simultaneously throughout the weekend. So it's busy and it's fun energy, you know, it's kind of like Super Bowl week, really, for football fans. Uh, as far as being on stage, you know, I, I've got the best seat in the house, man. I, I, I'll have a seat right there, front and center, and be able to listen to some great stories and perspectives. You know, you look at, uh, I still call him Stephen Regal. I don't know if it's Stephen or William, can't keep track, but for me, it's Stephen. Uh, what a fascinating man. Uh, he has probably got a more interesting, history and perspective in many, in, in many ways on professional wrestling because of his travels, you know, he's wrestled all over the world. He started wrestling at such a young age in a different style of wrestling. His experiences are so unique that I I'm really looking forward to, to hearing him and talk about some of those experiences. Jeff Hardy, you know, Jeff is such a fascinating character. You know, he's been front and center in a very high profile way for so long. He's had his challenges, his ups, his downs, his the amazing things he's accomplished in the ring. And I'm anxious to, to see where he's at, you know, where his head is at, where, what his perspective is now at this stage of his career. So I, I, like I said, I've got the best seat in the house, man. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know people, you know, there's obvious topics that people are going to want to hear about. Maybe they've already talked about in the past, but uh, you mentioned calling him Stephen Regal. Like that's the stuff, like that's the deep cut stuff. I I'm hoping that, you know, we get a chance to hear the blue bloods and WCW. And then, you know, he came back for a run in between those, you know, the two WWE runs, any uh, fond memories of working with him back then. You know, I, I didn't work a lot directly with Steve. You know, keep in mind, I, I really didn't get involved too much in creative until really 95. And even then it was minimal. But it wasn't until 96 and 97 that I really kind of did a deep dive in creative. So I didn't work a lot with, with Steven slash William. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly got to know him fairly well, you know, on a personal level. Um we had our challenges from time to time, but got through it and have a tremendous amount of respect for him. So uh, I'm anxious to hear his take on that period. You know, he, it's a funny thing, Bill, you know, people assume because at one point in time I was running WCW, therefore I had my fingerprints on all aspects of the business. And I really didn't. It was a big company. And there were a lot of things going on that while I was responsible for, in many respects, I wasn't involved with on a day-to-day perspective. So there's people um, that were 
involved with the different aspects of WCW uh, that had a much different perspective of things than I did. Mm. And I'm always interested in hearing those perspectives and, and especially from Mr. Regal that we have covered all the bases. Mm. Um, I'm anxious to, to, to hear what his eyes saw and, and what he experienced during that period of time. So like I said, it's just, it's a fascinating journey for me. Man. Doing a little bit of a deep dive recently. I know, WrestleMania is like March, April, traditionally like, oh, that's the big event. But, you know, you were around for Uncensored and Spring Stampede in, uh, you know, many years for WCW. But when uh, you and I last talked, we talked a, a little bit about Road Wild and feeling like the need to expand the, the pay-per-view calendar. Uh, where'd the idea from Spring for spring stampede come because that was around you know and i don't want to say you were in control again like you just kind of mentioned but where'd the concept for spring stampede come from i don't know bill i i it kind of existed prior to me having control over pay-per-views and getting involved in the branding of them and naming of them i kind of guess it was a dusty rose theme given the nature of it that would be my guess. I remember being a talent, uh, an announcer at a spring stampede or two uh, before I really got involved in management. So um, I would, if I had to guess, I'd guess Dusty. Looking at, you know, 97, 98, those events are still looked at with, you know, a lot of fond memories. You know, it had uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Randy Savage in 97, 25th anniversary of that match. Uh, a feud that put DDP on the map. So how do you evaluate, you know, a branding from a branding perspective with an event like that? Well, you just get different ideas. You know, it started with, it, it was driven the, the, the addition of pay-per-views. When I think when I took over WCW, we had four pay-per-views a year. Could be wrong. I think it was four. And at the time, WCW was hemorrhaging money um, before I came into management and certainly once I took over and we went through a cost cutting phase, you know, we, we just cut out the house shows because they were losing money. Every time we left the house, so to speak, to go do a house show, we lost money in the process. So it was like, okay, well, let's quit doing that for a while. You know, let's put our resources into the television product, create a demand for it and then tour it as opposed to just adding house shows. So, it was, you know, a combination of cost cutting and then trying to find revenue opportunities. And again, back in that period of time, WCW had no licensing, had no merchandising, had really the only, we didn't even have television licensing, by the way, which is what people today are living off of. Um, the core, core revenue stream for WWE and AEW. Uh, well, we didn't have that. So the only thing that we had that we had control over and could make more money on was pay-per-views. So adding pay-per-views was more of a necessity than it was anything else. And once we decided, you know, okay, when should we add a pay-per-view? Um, how many should we add? Then it was kind of like, okay, what should we theme it? What do we call it? And that was more of a collaborative, you know, Sharon Sadello, Mike Weber would have been involved in that. You know, people, in the office might have had ideas. It was very much a collaborative process. It's funny how things work out. You, you know, 
it was born out of necessity. And even today, you know, the, the two big companies, WWE and AEW, they're not really touring. It's a television production. And that obviously came because of a completely different reason with the pandemic. But it's kind of funny how things, you know, and people say in the wrestling business, it's uh, cyclical. <laughs> well, you know what? I, just, I don't know if you saw it today. It was just posted today. But um, as a result of, uh, I, I guess it's some discovery or some legal action that WWE is involved in, <clears throat> they posted today their uh, tour schedule for the rest of 22 and I think even into 23. Oh, they're very much a touring company again. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how many events. I couldn't count them. There were too many there for me to take the time to count. But uh, sounds to me or looks to me like you're going to get back to uh, – touring a lot more than they have in the last two or three years for obvious reasons. Yeah. And I think there's more importance on those events too. Like uh, they're bringing back Saturday night's main event and Sunday stunner trying to make those events feel more important. But in the last year you saw really, it was uh, a very heavy reliance on televised events and, you know, limiting the schedule. It's not the six days a week. 350 days a year that you know you heard about in the past so you know i i know a couple fans i've talked to are quite happy about that but you know thought it thought it was interesting how you know the the television cycle has changed but yet the more things change the more some things stay the same yeah even when i was in wwe last you know for a couple months in 2019 um as a director of SmackDown, you know, I would, I wasn't involved in the live event side of the business, but obviously you would hear a lot about it. And I, I was um, privileged to some of the discussions about it and the WWE live event business, even in 2019, obviously pre pandemic quite a bit, we're not doing that well. They were, it was a struggle. So I, you know, once a pandemic hit, you know, somebody asked me, what do you think will ever happen to WWE live events? And I suggested what made sense to me, at least, would be once touring started up again, to make whatever live events happen feel much, much more special. To, to, to do the best you could do at bringing as many bells and whistles as you can to those live events. Because historically, the challenge has always been putting forth a live event that kind of looks and feels like the television show. And, you know, so much emphasis has gone into production values and stages and pyro and lighting and so many of the, the things that make watching, you know, Monday Night Raw or even AEW, you know, a really cool television experience. Then when you go to the live event, you don't get any of that. You know, it's, kind of dark and dingy and there's no pyro and there's, you know, the music is, yeah, maybe it's there. So, so, you know, no staging to speak of. It's a kind of a stark contrast to what you would expect at a television event. Um, so, I, you know, it makes sense to me that they would reduce the number of events, but yet put more resources into them so that the experience, the live experience at least comes close to what you would expect it would, you know, on a television show. Yeah, and I think for many years, there was that stigma when you say house show. It was, okay, not even live event and 
it was house show. Okay. Here's what you can expect. You mentioned a couple of the things production wise, but then there's always this idea like, okay, nothing, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to, yep. nothing's going to advance the story. So when I saw that, and I think it first started in June or July, whenever they announced that first stretch of events, it definitely felt different. It was a lot of televised stuff. And then there was, you know, a couple bigger arenas mixed in and then, you know, John Cena's coming back and different stuff like Trish Stratus was in can in Canada this past weekend and she hosted the show. Like it, it's not going to be full scale raw and SmackDown every week, but there's something there a little, you know, a little bit more than you would have gotten in the past. And I think, I think that it has to be that way. You know, when wrestling's hot, you know, when it's smoking red hot, you're selling out, you know, live events all over the country you can get away with, you know, fewer bells and whistles, so to speak. But when you, when you're competing and when the, when it gets soft and the audience is kind of acclimated to them themselves, to the idea that, well, it's a house show and nothing's really going to happen. Nothing really special, no bells, no whistles. I think I'll just pass. Once that sets in, you've got to work pretty hard to dig yourself out of that. And I think that's, hopefully that's what we're seeing now. Because it'll it'll re-energize the live event in the touring model again, and the business needs that. The talent needs it. I'm sure there's some talent that would tell you they don't need it, but they really do. You need to stay active. You need to be able to go out in front of a, a live audience without the television cameras there and try new things and play with some ideas and, and ad-lib some things that you're not able to do on television because that's how you find the magic. That's how you find an idea that, okay, that, that worked for this live audience. I'm going to integrate it into television. Otherwise, if all you're doing is wrestling television matches, you know, you're not taking too many chances. You're not taking risks. You're not doing anything new and exciting. You're doing what you know you can do well. And you've got a limited amount of time to do it because you got a three-minute match or a six-minute match. Or if you're lucky on television, a 10-minute match. Kind of hard to develop new material. It's a little bit like I'm... I don't know anything about stand-up comedy other than I enjoy it. And I know a few stand-up comedians, but you know, when they're working on new material, they're playing in small little comedy clubs with 50 people, 75 people working on that material, trying to find a way to make things work and tweaking it. And, and then when they finally get it all worked out, they'll take it to a bigger stage. And it's the same is true with wrestling. Man. You've got to go out there and work through your stuff and try new things and experiment. Uh, in a non-televised arena to up to keep upping your game. So I, it'll be good for everybody. How long are you sticking around in Dallas? You'll be there Friday. Uh, I'm going to leave Sunday. I've got so much going on this month. And I've, like I said, I've been traveling for really the last two weeks, home for a couple of days, gone for another week. So um, I'm going to get out Sunday, I hope, and uh, try to drill down and, and take care of some business here. Will you be paying attention to uh, Steve Austin's return? Oh, of course. You know, I wanted to go to that. I, I wanted to be at ringside for that, but I just can't be. Um, I, I'm so happy for Steve. And for Kevin. Come on, Kevin. Good for you, brother. You, you earned it. You deserve it. And it's going to be such a great moment. I'm not envious in a way, but I'm living vicariously through Kevin because I know how exciting it'll be for him. He's such a cool guy, just a great, great person and a professional. 
and a great, great talent. I know a lot of people don't really know what to call it, confrontation, match, fight, but I think you hit the nail on the head. It's going to be an incredible moment. It's not him opening the show. It's not. And there was nothing, you know, like the WrestleMania 30 moment where he shared the ring with Hogan and uh, uh, The Rock. Um, you know, that was a great moment for those, you know, different generations and stuff. But this you don't know what what to expect. Like you haven't seen him in a ring in nearly 20 years. And will it be a match? Will it be a fight? There's all all sorts of uh variables to think about before we even get there and that's just night yeah one. i've seen i've seen pictures of steve um over the last couple of weeks and he looks looks like he's in phenomenal shape man he looks 20 years younger you know he's got some size on him but he looks lean and and like he's been doing crossfit and and he he, he looks like a machine so i whatever it is it doesn't matter to me i just it's the moment whether it's a match or a confrontation or he hit, hits a ring full of stunners on somebody. I don't care. It'll just be a glorious moment for the fans and for Steve and Kevin. Yeah. Anything else you're uh, looking forward to, particularly this weekend? I know, you, you know, you have your own event. You have that that we just touched on. Anything else you have your eye on? Not really. You know, no one uh, particular event. Obviously, the, you know, the um, Hall of Fame. I've always loved the Hall. You know, I've always thought that the Hall of Fame was the best part of WrestleMania weekend for me, you know, because the emotions are real, you know, it's, it's the culmination uh, of many people's wrestling career or the moment within their wrestling careers. And it's so honest and real and emotional that I always enjoy it. Always enjoy it. Um, So I'll be, and especially this year with Undertaker, the Steiner brothers now, you know, being inducted, that was awesome. Conrad and I speculated about that on 83 weeks a couple of weeks ago, but didn't think it was going to happen really, but it did. I'm really grateful for, for that, for them, and for the fans. Santa Brothers were kind of an important thing for a long time you know, mm-hmm. in WCW and in WWE. So excited about that. And, I, you know, I live vicariously through everybody. You know, I know what it feels like to be up on that stage and, and to, just to reach that moment where you can kind of go, wow, I actually did this and I'm being inducted into a hall of fame with so many of the great names. You know, some of them were people that I grew up watching as a wrestling fan long before I got into the business. And that's, that's a cool thing, you know? And so, like I said, I'll be living vicariously through the people that are getting inducted. Scott Steiner with a live mic. Certainly interesting. <laughs> I I hope he gets that mic and I fully expect he'll be a pro if he does. I don't expect him to, you know, go off the reservation, so to speak, and go into business for himself, as they say. No, no, I, I, I just the anticipation of it. Like, even if he doesn't do anything, even if like Rick does all the talking and just as they're ready to run out of time, you know, because they usually only give you three, five, six minutes for those things. And I could just see, you know, Rick doing the talking and, you know, being the pro that Rick is. And then see Scott grab that mic right at the end and have him cut it off. You know, <laughs> just something. Have fun with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've talked to him, you know, interviews and they were, 
not in character if you want to look at it that way but he's he knows when to be a professional you know and obviously there's that anticipation but uh there's just so much to look forward to about that one i think not a never say never one but you know he was always that guy like well is it gonna happen and he's finally getting his you know. and, well, and, and here's the thing with Scott, you never know, because he could show up and be calm and everything going smooth. And all it takes is somebody to piss him off, say the wrong thing, disrespect him in any way, shape or form. Even if you didn't really disrespect him, but if he thinks you did, you, you get that other guy, you get the other side of Scott Steiner. So yeah, you never know. Could happen. Could happen. But that's it. You know, I'm, I'm really, I'm looking forward to our own event. You know, like I said, being up on stage with those guys is a blast. We've got Cassio Kid. You know, he doesn't get a lot of press, but great stand-up comedian. Used to work for Jay Leno, with Jay Leno out in L.A. He's done a lot of comedy. Uh, he was with on tour with Ron White. I think he opened up with Ron White for a while back, a couple months ago. Uh, great, great comedian. He's going to be on stage and open things up for us. And you know, I always tell people, if you've never seen Cassio Kid, you know, here's your warning. You know, if you've got you know, any kind of heart condition, if you have uh, weak intercourse strength, uh, irritable, bowel sy- irritable bowel syndrome, you know, any of those, you know, physical ailments, be careful about this show because the laughter could put you in a hospital. He's that funny. <laughs> but uh, I always look forward to Casio and it kind of sets a tone for the rest of the show. You look at these live events we do, they're kind of a combination of, you know, serious Q&A, stand-up comedy, storytelling, all kind of wrapped up in one. So that's what I'm really looking forward to the most. Yeah. Uh, anybody that is in Dallas wants to check it out. Tickets are still available. If not, you can uh, watch the official pay-per-view live stream on fight uh, Friday, April 1st, super show live. As I mentioned, Eric Conrad Thompson, Jeff Hardy, William Regal, and uh, Jeff Jarrett will be there too. So plenty, plenty to look forward to. Thanks as always for the time. Uh, I'm glad we got a chance to catch up and hopefully we'll, we'll get to do this when I can be in town to see it. I I'm itching to get back to a live show. All right. Well, I look forward to it, Bill. And thank you for this opportunity to talk about our show. And if anybody's looking for tickets, it's a super show live.com. We still got some VIP tickets left and that's kind of a cool thing. A lot of special uh, bonus items go along with that. Um, but yeah, check it out. And like Bill said, if not able to be in Dallas, check us out on Fight TV, Super Show Live.